When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We have our team champion, and uh, for the second year running, uh, the Savage Crew is the ultimate Tough as Nails team. Congratulations to the Savage Crew. Uh, We have another person out in the individual competition, and a finale looming here on Tough as Nails, as it was alumni weekend on Tough as Nails, and excited to get back with two veterans of uh, Tough as Nails themselves. First, Jessica Lee. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Rob. I feel like an underreported story of this Tough as Nails podcast is the fact that you don't put the theme song in in post. You mm-hmm. let it play yeah. to get into the groove. Yeah. And all three of us sit here and bang our heads while we listen to the theme song. And it really like gets us into the moment. Thank you, Will from America. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, this is, um, you know, a show that we have to get like pumped up, like uh, riding in the damn van, going to work. This is what we do. Of course, a man who's always pumped up is Mike Bloom. Mike, how are you? Good coming to you live from the roof with my popcorn here. Uh, though I, I resent a bit of what Jess said. I don't headbang. I'm more like a nail gun. I'm just very like short and sharp and repetitive over and over and over again. Yes. You said it. I didn't. Mike, how are you holding up after our four hour Survivor Guatemala podcast yesterday? Listen, if obviously tough as nails does not apply to any of us nearly, but that's like the equivalent of it, right? Of like, okay, An you 11 have- mile hike. You've been through this. Well, that's the thing as well, is that we essentially ended up uh, from a synergistic perspective, fantastically talking about the most toughest nail as esque season of Survivor yesterday. So it really just parlays into here. Now, I wouldn't say necessarily that you're going to bring like, uh, you know, Brandon Bellinger onto tough as nails to show off his his farming expertise. But the stuff that Survivor contestants in Guatemala certainly went through, mm-hmm. I do think are are. Probably the most uh, hand callousy like activities we've ever seen on the show. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing about Mike uh, that he has like such drive with the podcasting. He's always Feed like, me. "I need more food. I'm hungry." <laughs> and that's just not because I'm a skinny boy. Like, please, I I need more podcasts. Yeah, I need he's more- the angel of podcasting. That's the other thing too. I noticed just noticed that you know we had played the theme song in person. I I noticed for the first time that you know when Will made this song initially. Uh, talking about it's the only show that's on TV. 
not the case i would say in the spring of 2021 yeah. so it's a, it's a reflection of the times yeah so here we are okay so we got a, a little bit of, of a different final battle here uh in tough as nails season two versus season one jess who could forget the iconic uh season one episode nine lumberjack spectacular the whole episode <laughs> was the final challenge and then i felt like that this one was a little bit like uh we were you know in and out of the final team battle like by 20 minutes in well i think what they had to decide from a production standpoint was like episode nine was kind of the <clears throat> iconic platonic ideal of tough as nails episodes. And how do we remind people of season one in our episode nine challenge? How do we do that? Let's just bring some episode one into it since we can't like go back to the lumberjack place, probably for parking mm-hmm. or bathroom related reasons. We're just going to, we're going to bring other elements of that season to you so that you remember what a good time you had watching season one yeah, and you'll tie it to these good memories of season two. Um, Mike, did you like this change uh, to make the final battle feel more like the other team battles that we saw throughout the season? Or did you like the, where the season one's final battle was a little bit more of like a Olympic event. Well, yeah, because season one was this odd plotting, right, where I believe they only had eight team challenges. And then they said, oh, crap, we have to do a tiebreaker now. So now we're going to do all these sort of individual one on one lumberjack competitions. This time, I think it was more organically built into it. We talked about this in the very first episode that there probably were going to be nine team challenges to make sure that, you know, there wasn't going to be a, oh, crap, we're running out of runway here. We're running out of roof. Uh, okay, I guess we'll just sort of staple together something at the last minute. Mm-hmm. This very much seemed like built into things. So it maybe eliminated some of that epicness of it. I certainly think it didn't help that this is probably the biggest blowout we have seen in a yeah. Tough as Nail challenge in quite some time. It's, it's, it sort of went out with a whimper, I would say, the team competition, unfortunately. Yeah, it, this wasn't even close. I mean, um, it's hard to think of a more lopsided uh, team challenge that we've had along the way. Well, at least it's the one that seems the closest to us. I'm sure there have been other blowouts. I mean, that I, I mean you could, you could look to. at last week was a pretty big blowout as well. Yeah. Car mm-hmm. parts. yeah. They've tried to make it look closer at different occasions. And this is just a case where they didn't really do that. Yeah. Um, did dirty hands uh, choke away the win? I mean, uh, they were up, what, four to three? And then they basically like uh, came out super flat in uh, the last two team challenges. I had to say, I dirty hands has done this two years in a row where they've been way ahead and yeah. then they just sort of choke all the way up to the end. Yes. Is this like, is this the underreported story? Like, I know we've had this legacy identity thing that we've been talking about because we're keeping the team names and it's like a point of pride. Like this is who we are is who you are a team that pulls ahead really far and then runs out of steam. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should be noted though, and not to to fact check your intro, Rob, but dirty hands did win the team competition last season. They did. Uh, Right. Yeah, they they did. Yeah. They won the tiebreaker. It was just that thing where Savage crew won the first one. Then dirty hands won the next four. And so they were up four to one hmm. and then Savage Crew won the last three to tie it up. But Dirty Hands won it in the tiebreaker. I think 
it's tough because Murph won the individual competition, right? So like you conflate that yeah. with, oh, that means he took it home for Savage Crew. Well, uh, in fairness to me, it's been a long year, Mike. Okay. Yeah, no, exactly. It was the only thing that was on TV. So it's it's absolutely understandable. <laughs> yeah. But I but I agree. There's sort of this this odd narrative of Savage Crew really near the end of the season, like building up momentum, but then at the end of the season falling into a couple of pits. Last season, they were, they seemed to rally at the very last second. I think it came down to like the very last competition in that that tiebreaker. Here, between last episode and this one, it just seems like different problems. Like last episode, nobody knew what they were doing and there was a communication breakdown. Uh, here, it really just seems like, I don't know, this is a really interesting Angel episode. Because Angel was this episode of like, feed me, feed me, feed me. I think he was overfed by this competition. This this challenge kind of broke Angel. How is it that like it, it took us this long to find the one thing that Angel can't do indefinitely? It's it's strange. I wouldn't have picked drywall as the thing that would be. I mean, sure, drywall is very tough, but I thought I thought Angel could do like any task you give him until everybody else is done. But this one, like 20 minutes in, he's already sweating and looking like he's going to pass out. Yeah. I wonder if he maybe had run himself into the ground from the previous tasks where it did not seem like that he was doing anything that was like super exert, like basically like hold, hold the things in place. And then ultimately uh, culminated in some, uh, you know, major issues for Angel. It's a yeah. different skill set to be sure. Mm hmm. I yeah. mean, it really is, though, from a storytelling perspective, it is really intriguing, right? Like like you said, Angel is all about giving 125% in each and everything that he does. I'm sure this was not actually the case, but you could argue from a, from like a storyline perspective, you could argue, oh, did he put so much of himself in every other challenge that when it got to this final one, his body just couldn't handle it. And he was too exhausted by everything else that his body ends up literally giving out on him. Oh my God. I mean, uh, perhaps, perhaps uh, that was the issue. Uh, although then contrast that to that, what uh, drywall Danny could have uh, done the entire task by himself in less than an hour. Well, he's been doing it all his life. Yeah. It is first drywall at 16. I mean, is Drywall Danny the strongest man alive that they really like uh, <laughs> have built up this whole thing? Like everybody, like nobody can carry these things. There's only one human who can do it. Yeah, it's Drywall Danny. He like he's like spit it on his finger. Uh, exactly. He's he's small, but he has a lot of power. I mean, we gotta talk about this. You mentioned Alumni Weekend, and Phil teased a couple of guests. I I don't know what I was expecting. I certainly was not expecting this. This was wild to me that in the penultimate episode, we said, here are sort of like two legacy challenges and we're going to bring in two alumni season one Mm -hmm. to sort of not coach them through, but, you know, stop in, say hi from a safe distance and talk their way through the challenge. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like the previous Miss America coming to pass the crown onto the current Miss America. Are we going to see that next week? Like, is Murph going to come back? Because I feel like this is structured in such a way that you can't really bring Murph back this episode. Yeah, he might have Murph a belt. Yeah, I think he's oh, going to bring true. the belt. Hmm. Okay, we'll see. Um, 
I was expecting drywall Danny. Uh, when Phil teased the guests, I saw we were doing drywall. Like I said, okay, uh, this makes mm-hmm. sense. Drywall Danny. I was not expecting Roofer Lee. <laughs> I mean, that was like a WrestleMania style pop at my house. So like, good God, that's Roofer Lee's music. <gasps> Is that the Wang Dang Doodle? God. I mean, you had to expect it because Will Wang was Dang just. Doodle. Bill was just giddy about having guests on this week. You had to know it was Roofer Lee because who does Phil love more than Roofer Lee? I mean, maybe the three of us, but other than that, nobody. Yeah, mm. yeah. I would not be surprised if Phil flew Roofer Lee out on his own dime. He's like, <laughs> screw the budget. I know we're tight right now. I'm flying this guy out right now. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. say yeah. if we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic, Phil would have driven out there himself and picked him up. Picked him He's up. got the truck for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh love Roofer Lee. Uh, well, but I want to talk about that separately because we're talking about um what's mm-hmm. going on in Give the- Danny Drywall his due. Yeah. Well, because especially uh, Rob, since the very first episode of season one, we got the return of the badass rock music to introduce Drywall Danny. <laughs> yes. Basically, like something similar to that plate as Danny comes jaunting in on his stilts. Uh, I was like, why does he have such a weird swagger to him before I realized that he was wearing these giant metal stilts uh, as he walked into the warehouse? But I mean, it's I don't know. That was wild to me that they they decided to pump him up as well of like, this is one of the gods of Tough as Nails come down from on high to bless mm-hmm. you mere mortals. Yeah. Did like they also yeah, mm-hmm. like, like add some like a uh, sound effect to like the like the monstrosity yeah. <laughs> of like drywall Danny bot did they, coming in? Did they shake the camera as well to be like he's causing seismic earthquake? Screw Godzilla versus Kong! <laughs> it's drywall Danny versus Roofer Lee. Yeah, they pan over to a glass of water and it's vibrating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jess, this is a big upgrade from drywall the musical. Is it though, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't even the same riff. It wasn't even the spec mix riff. It was a new riff. And I was like, this is this is a, a pale imitation of the season one riff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Drywall Danny comes in uh, and then, yeah, he he shows like how to drywall. But yeah, I felt like that the, it was interesting how they use the alumni. Like, I feel like that it wasn't sort of like in like a project runway type of way where like, uh, you know, and again, I know with COVID and he's not allowed to like really get close. Uh, he wasn't giving any pointers. Is it because now I realize it wasn't just because of the popularity. It was because who has careers that put them as far away from other contestants mm-hmm. as possible? Danny uses the stilts. And Lee stands on a damn roof all day. Like that makes them shoe ins, right? Everyone else does more close face to face interaction. You think that stilts really help with social distancing? Of like, they're uh, not six foot stilts. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, we're, we're social distancing. I'm up here, and you are down there. Yeah, I mean, like just saying, the circus is probably the safest place to go during this pandemic because people are from are up in the air on tight ropes. Like they're not getting down to you anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Well. Seriously, though, I I think we've talked a lot about, or at least I've talked a lot. I don't know if I've gotten any buy-in from anybody else on this, about how the the tasks are a lot more complicated this year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how we don't really go into what is required of each individual task. It's more like um, you're going to do the thing with the thing and we've given them a book with all the instructions and they're going to read it on their own time or not. And I feel like Danny Drywall was the book. He shows up and shows them the complicated task and they use his expertise as well as his cult of personality to really tie the whole thing together. It was actually 
really interesting killing two birds with one stone in that regard, because these tasks are going to get more and more complicated and we can't show enough of it that you could go and replicate the drywall experience in your own living room. Yeah. Danny Drywall, uh, that he is an expert in his field. Uh, just you notice that uh, Danny Drywall has like some uh, Danny Drywall swag also. He does. And I Merch. got very excited about that. Yeah, I went to go see if you could buy it. And I think he's got to work on his SEO because I couldn't find it. Hmm. So my question, I was hoping Phil would be here so I could ask him this. Is is that is that Danny Drywall's own invention? Or is he Danny Drywall or Drywall Danny? I think they were calling him Drywall Danny. Um, but is that his own invention? Is this something you can buy? Did he make mm-hmm. one just for himself? Or was it one of those cases like they can't use the UPS branding? So it says, you know, parcel carrier, Patrick. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Like the generic uh, yeah. cereal type yeah. of welder. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I personally like drywall Danny over Danny drywall. Danny drywall mm-hmm. sort of yeah. has like a poly walnuts quality to me. Mm. Yeah, I think yes. Selly called him uh, Danny drywall, but I believe that we always called him drywall. Yes, Danny. we did. And, and I, I also feel like that um, roofer Lee, like I, I wonder, did we lose the sort of like um, first name? occupation second name uh your your given name like it is that sort of the secret to the um buildup of the season one contestants that really are the standouts we've done a lot less in general of hammering home what it is that they do mm-hmm. right well i wondered to that point is it just because things are less snappy you know like you can't say retired air force pilot merrill uh, yeah. like nurse nurse Selly is probably the easiest one, and I, I think it's been used a couple times because she has had to triage things mm-hmm. at certain mm-hmm. points. Maybe it's just the job titles, you know, uh, like Cement Mason, Liz Knuckles. It's also the fact that they have a bunch of nicknames mm-hmm. themselves, so adding another name on top of that probably doesn't help things. Yeah, if you come in with your own nickname, how are we supposed to give you one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that maybe they went too hard on nicknames in season two, mm-hmm. and not, uh, you know, I felt like that build in the profession into the name yeah it was kind of a disappointment when freight train comes on and he drives a ups truck and he's not like a conductor <laughs> right exactly so maybe i don't know maybe we'll shoot for season three it'll sort of be like a hybrid it right coalesce yeah, yeah maybe some will come into your point just with nicknames about their own occupation to sort of again kill two birds with one stone or they could have an aptonym you know like let's find a cement mason whose name is mason Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Or maybe they want to legally change their name to Mason for like the 10 weeks that they filmed the show for. Well, that's easy to avoid the trolls after you go off the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So remember, again, going back to Guatemala, Rob, it's very much a Gary Hogaboom, Gary Hawkins situation <laughs> of like, I don't know who that is. Uh, I'm not Cement Mason, that mm-hmm. person you saw on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, it looked like that maybe it was going to be uh, like a good omen for Dirty Hands that uh, Danny Drywall was there. Uh, but um, unfortunately, um, yeah, it was really just a comedy of errors, uh, really. Other than when Merrill went too far for Savage Crew and uh, cut, cut too far. Um, really, it was just like uh, that Dirty Hands was having so, so many problems. They started cutting the sheetrock in half because they couldn't like lift it up. Yeah, I think that was certainly a problem. I think that luckily, you know, having Scott as the crew boss in many ways certainly helped. Like Jess said, it was very much symmetry with the very first team challenge where Scott got them a win as well. 
But Scott was able to use his height to his advantage here, basically able to say like, okay, I can hold the sheetrock up where even if like someone like Selly does not necessarily have that upper body strength, I can certainly do so. Unfortunately, due to Angel gassing out in the challenge, Dirty Hands wasn't able to hold up the huge, you know, sheet of, of, of rock. rock. Yeah. Exactly. As, uh, as Savage Crew was. And so they really had to like, divide and conquer which really cost them time yeah i i have i have another reason i do not believe in omens yes why is that jess okay so last week we much was made out of the orange plaid shirt that phil wore to the competition yes yes did you notice what phil was wearing at the competition this week what did he wear dark green Hmm. Mm. so i think i think there's no such thing as an omen because if he comes in there and he's like tacitly supporting dirty hands and yet they still lose yeah there's no indicator, you know, that's, it's not necessarily going to guarantee anything. I, I thought there was an interesting decision that was made in terms of who was going to sit out of the competition. Uh, Swifty sat out and I was thinking like, is this strategy? If I'm Swifty, mm-hmm. I'm still alive in the individual competition. Mm-hmm. What do I want to like uh, use up all my energy in the team part of the competition? You know, I guess like uh, it's nothing to sneeze at there with all that money on the line. But uh, Mike, uh, eyes on the prize, right? Yeah, it was a really interesting choice because, again, you, you might want to pick on paper someone like Selly, who is shorter, who might not have as much upper body strength as Swifty. But this I really give it to Savage Crew here to know their strengths and weaknesses and especially Scott for delegation that Swifty basically said, like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. That happened in the landscaping challenge, and I got in everyone's way. Let me just take myself out of it. And maybe if there's an additional benefit that I get to rest up in anticipation for tomorrow's challenge, so be it. So I think Savage Crew made all the, the perfect decisions that happened to benefit Swifty as well, should he need his energy for the individual challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it didn't really help Swifty so much in the individual mm-hmm. competition. Uh, it wasn't like that he was like, uh, you know, r- running circles around everybody when we got to the individual competition. But I just thought that that was uh, an interesting decision. Uh, Jess, did Phil have a lunchbox filled with cash in season one? <laughs> I've never seen the lunchbox filled with cash. Yeah, I. I'm not opposed to it. I loved it. It was a, it was a curious decision, um, but. I think he is very in tune with the iconography of his brand. Yes. And I think the lunchbox fits right in with that. Yeah. Yeah. It really is like uh, like the depression era, right? The photo of all the guys mm-hmm. sitting yep. on the beam. Like that's sort of the aesthetic that they're going for with the work whistle and the lunch pail. Uh, we're about uh, literally a hundred years removed from it. Mm-hmm. But what is old is new again here in 2021. Yeah, I mean, you got the beam with the construction workers and then Bernie Sanders and his mittens sitting on the end of it. Mm hmm. I think they should have the lunch pail of cash every round. Mm. Should it be like Survivor Borneo with the treasure chest of money in the middle of tribal council, mm-hmm. right? Where like next to the work whistle is a giant lunch pail filled with all the money. Yeah. Or you could, could tie it into, you know how uh, Phil gave them beer one week and then he's like, oh, we're going to have this like team bonding thing. Where we're all just going to sit around and have a barbecue and we're going to hang out. Could we feel, could we fit that in there? Like here are all of your lunch boxes. And they all have peanut butter sandwiches, except this one that has cash. <laughs> yeah, pretty. For the losing team, peanut butter and jelly. For the winning team, oh no, your lunch is cold hard cash. All right, so then what? We wait seven seasons before it's like, all right, your lunch box has now been replaced with tough as nails slop. It's sawdust, <laughs> and metal girders. <laughs> 
Uh, so uh, congratulations to Savage Crew. Uh, yeah. jo- job well done. Uh, we also got like sort of like um, Mike, a little bit of, like a Fallen Comrades uh, segment of <laughs> yeah, like Q Vitamin C. Like we got the like the the montage of hey, look, remember what Savage Crew and Dirty Hands the under how they underwent this journey together, and you could tell. If you didn't realize that Dirty Hands was losing beforehand, the fact that we get this from Liz before the challenge even ends is like the nail gun in the coffin well, for Dirty Hands. I actually <laughs> was like, oh, well, here comes the comeback of Liz was like talking about how like, wait, and and I learned so much from everyone on my team. Zeus, we have the power of Zeus. We have Arida, her attention to detail. Angel has the drive and, and it's like, oh, wait, is this going to be like the start of like their comeback? And then they lost. I loved this segment for the segment. Mm-hmm. Narratively, it felt a little bit like they thought they thought about what not just the audience, but like specifically the three of us would say about where that narrative is taking them. And they thought, well, we're going to fake them out. We're going to show them something that makes it seem one way and then it's going to be the other way and everybody will be surprised. It, it really felt like a legitimate attempt to fake out. But the segment by itself, like Liz is such a great narrator mm-hmm. and she yeah. really distills things into digestible segments um, that really elucidate what's going on. And I loved that we really called out each person for their specific strength. And it helped me, you know, we, we've talked a lot about how hard it is to get to know these characters mm-hmm. compared to last season. I think Liz is the only reason I know who any of them are at all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't, well, and it certainly helps, right? That we are essentially bidding adieu to a good portion of the cast. Like mm-hmm. they're going to be there next week, but everyone from Angel to Selly to Meryl to Liz to now Irida are not going to be competing. Uh, so like they're going to still be there, but their stories are essentially done. So yeah. it's a way to, to say goodbye to them as well. Jess, let me ask you this question that do you think uh, am I reading too much into this? I feel like that the season one contestants, I feel like we're better known for their trade. But I feel like that the season two contestants, we have leaned more on these people's traits uh, that mm. we have like, uh, you know, it's more about not about what Angel does for his uh, living. It's about that Angel is like, uh, you know, his, his personality is that, you know, he's this hard worker who can or Rida, you know, it's not necessarily about what she does at work. It's more about the, oh, her thing is attention to detail. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. I, and it's it's I, I can understand why you'd make a choice to do that, especially since you don't want it to be cookie cutter. You don't want every you don't want every season to be like a bunch of a bunch of cardboard cutouts in their work uniforms and this person does this, and this person does this. And I can see we're opening up the idea that, you know, what you do is not who you are. And this week, this mm. season, it's been what, you know, it's less what you do and more who you are. And that is, that maybe potentially gives us a potential for a richer story, but it also, you know, it's TV. We all mm. have the extension span of goldfish, especially since we haven't left our house in a year. I, I I need to I need something broader right now. You know, later on I I can get into the psyche of it all, but right now, right now, give me something flashy and mm-hmm. shiny. Okay, well, we will do that because we're going to give you Rufer Lee. 
Roofer Lee is back, everybody. Uh, I was uh, so excited to he- to see and hear Roofer Lee back on TV. It's going to be a Wayne Day doula. Yes. Yes. Ellie calls him America's favorite grandpa. Do we think that's true? Does he make the Mount Rushmore? America's favorite grandpa. I mean, who else is up there? Ooh, it's a good question. Like, because uh, I feel like a lot of grandpas on TV are like sassy old coots. So Lee is definitely one of the most positive grandpas we've seen on TV, right? Yeah. Like he's definitely different to Grandpa Simpson. Who is or, America's grandpa? Or like, uh, does does John Mahoney's character on Frasier, is he part of that Mount Rushmore? He wasn't anybody's grandpa, mm-hmm. though. He was just the dad. They didn't have I kids. Didn't, I thought oh. Frasier had a son at, near the end. No, Niles had a son at the end. That's oh, yeah. Frasier does have a son. Right. Frederick. OK. And they never show him. But, right. OK. John so I, Mahoney counts. All right. So I did a, uh, a Google search of who is America's <laughs> Thanks, grandpa. Rob. Doing the Lord's work, Rob. Okay. Uh, okay. Number one was Morgan Freeman. Is Morgan Freeman America's grandpa? Mm, I could see that. I guess I was more so thinking about a character as a grandpa and not like, yeah, hey, I don't, I'm, I'm an older man here to take care of you, America. Mm. Also, Morgan Freeman in the grandpa role. Don't Google it. Okay. Uh, how about uh, Patrick Stewart? Uh, is he our Mm-mm. pop pop? But he's not no, no, America's. He might be the UK's favorite grandpa. Mm. Okay, he's America's zaddy. Okay. is Patrick Stewart? Ooh, yeah, uh, Bill Murray is Bill Murray America's grandpa. So no, you're just making me feel old because these are no. all dads. Bill Murray is America's favorite uncle because of all those stories about like Bill Murray doing all of these churlish pranks. Like that's not grandpa to me. That's that uncle who gets invited over once in a while. And then after he leaves, he's like, let's not see Uncle Bill for a little while. Mm-hmm. He's kind of an a-hole. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it is Rufer Lee. Yeah. I'm not finding anything. I'm Googling this too. And there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I have the five best grandpas in literature from Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. Okay, so congratulations to Roofer Lee, America's grandpa. So here he is. Uh, Roofer Lee, I mean, he was in rare form. that uh, He was cracking me up, but I have to say, there's some moments that he's, he's saying things. I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to tell us. Uh, after they see the task, uh, this is what Roofer Lee had to say. Great to meet everybody. <laughs> it's going to be a challenge here, mate. It's going to be a tough set of cookies. Did he say it's going to be tough selling cookies? I think he said it's going to be tough as selling cookies, which I believe is the spiritual sequel to Tough as Nails between seasons. <laughs> I, I was a Girl Scout. Can confirm. Yeah. Tough as cookies are hard to sell. Why? Because uh, so many people are trying to like uh, eat healthier. Is that why? No, it's because every single girl your age in the entire town is also trying to sell cookies. And as soon as one of them gets to your mom's work before you do you can't sell any cookies hmm. it's it's a it's cutthroat man mm-hmm. i i feel like you hmm. should stagger the cookie sales over the course of the year and when it's your turn you would clean up because everybody would be out of cookies and they need more cookies mm. now here's the thing though phil obviously loves roofer lee could lee have just backdoor pitched a challenge for tough as nails season three of selling cookies a little apprentice it is a mm. little apprentice but if it's a tough job maybe you want to display Again, toughness personified is in this show. There's a lot of grit and determination that comes to selling cookies, arguably as tough as putting a roof on a house, according to one character. Yeah, I could see this is making cookies before they're selling cookies. Yeah, I think making cookies is the better idea. This this kind of gives me the vibes of like those amazing race challenges where you have to go collect a certain amount of money from locals by applying some kind of trade that they would never Mm. pay a random stranger for. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you should also point out, uh, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but back when Phil introduced Drywall Danny, he said, you can't think about drywalling without perhaps the most famous drywaller of them all, which had such Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger <laughs> vibes. I, I, like, I guess this was filmed around like Christmas time, right? Late to the 2020. Yeah, I mean, name a more iconic drywaller than uh, Drywall Danny. I'll wait. <laughs> I was just waiting. If we did a tough as nails wand off, you better bet someone had a Rudolph parody for Drywall Danny. Well, there would be four of them, and Rob would mash them up together. But then he'd decide that he did not want to waste the energy on mashing them up, so he'd just like shout them out in the perfect on honorable mentions. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, I nail gunned it. By the way, uh, my favorite Girl Scout cookie of them all has to be uh, the. It's gonna be a Wang Dang Doodle. Wang Dang Doodle. <laughs> and you it's just like a, know, it's like a roofing tile though. Yeah, you just know Phil is like off camera and he's like, oh my God, Rufus Lee, say it again, say it again. Yeah. <laughs> say Wang Dang Doodle. He said it. Phrase. Oh my God. Rob, should uh, the Renap catchphrase tournament next March, should Wang Dang Doodle be included in it? Sure, sure. I don't know how Rufus Lee doesn't have Wang Dang Doodle merch. I, I, no, I, that might be a bit too euphemistic to put he, on a shirt. He's not very online, Rob. Yeah. So you should talk to Drywall Danny. Mm hmm. Drywall Danny. Uh, did you has notice? A guy. Did you notice the logo on Drywall Danny's shirt had I, they were supposed to be letter D's lying on their side with pieces of drywall in them? I think mm-hmm. they looked like bells. They looked like he's mm-hmm. trying to he's trying to grab your your style, Rob. No, that's fine. Uh, that uh, I, I would I would wear some Drywall Danny merch. I think that people would uh, think oh, of me differently. I. Yeah, I really feel like I, I dropped the ball on this this year. I planned because every contestant like they're all on instagram that's kind of their social media sphere nobody's on twitter which I mean, three of us are more twitter people but they're always like half the contestants this year had their own shirt that they sold with proceeds going to charity and i meant to just buy one of every one they made and just like wear a different one every week but i've really i've had a lot yeah. going on um well, with Drywall Danny, uh, you know, we saw when Sarah, I don't even think the Dirty Hands got to this part where Sarah was like cutting everything out and she was wearing the mask to cover it. Like, uh, I feel like that this would have been a perfect opportunity to get everybody wearing masks, get uh, get Drywall Danny in there with them. Oh, that'd be interesting, right? They're, they're masked up and so Drywall Danny can like get in there and really <laughs> yeah. get going on. Yeah, why not? I mean, those are N95s. Yeah. That's um, what they're for. Yeah. So, all right. So let's go back to uh, the roofing challenge. Uh, Roofer Lee. Well, I I like how they had Roofer Lee just like strapped in to his lawn chair. (laughs) I mean, he was essentially like a lifeguard here. Mm -hmm. Like he was so far away. Didn't even get to walk through the process. The, The narrative, right, is, oh, Lee unfinished all these roofs for you and you're going to be the ones that are going to have to do it. Now Lee's just going to sit back on his lawn chair and eat popcorn while you all do his work yeah. for him. He was eating the popcorn. Uh, was that a roofer Lee thing or was this like, well, he's sitting in a chair. What should he be doing? Let's get him some popcorn. Jess, was that part this- of the mythology of roofer Lee? <laughs> I don't believe it was roofer Lee specific, but there is a very lucrative market out there. Insofar as you get anything return in return for this, there's a very lucrative market for a very good gif of somebody eating popcorn and looking entertained. Yeah, and as soon as I saw Michael that, I'm Jackson, like, Michaela from uh, from Survivor Game Changers, yeah, Angela Lansbury, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, Phil yeah, checked so, in with with Rufer Lee. Uh, How's that popcorn? Popcorn delicious. <laughs> I I don't know. I am like I am 
85% sure that Roofer Lee found a box of popcorn on, at Crafty and like took it up to the roof. And Phil's like, does he, have, does he have a box of popcorn? Where do you find that? Yeah. He's like, oh, just roll with it. Go ahead, Lee. Eat some popcorn. Jess, could you ID what soda does Roofer Lee drink? Uh, Looks like some. It's like uh, is it Squirt? What is, what is that? No, Squirt is um, Squirt is not as warm. That looks like mellow yellow. I think it, it was either Mountain Dew or ginger ale. It depends on like it depends on what color overlay Phil is using. Oh um, yeah, mm, it, it's true. hard to tell, but it was it's clear where Squirt is kind of semi translucent. Yeah, and. It was, it looked to me to be ginger ale, hmm. but it could also be Mountain Dew. Yeah. I, this might be, you know, a little out there. I think for Tough as Nails season three, I think that Roofer Lee should be like a permanent hype man <laughs> for the show. Like, like, I think he's there for all the challenge. Like Phil explains it like, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, is, is, isn't that right, uh, Lee? What, what do you think? It's going to be a Wayne Day Dola. <laughs> but wait. Is Lee going to be up on a roof for every challenge? Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, there's less restrictions in season three, but he's just sort of like the assistant. No, no, no. I want it to be like Jimmy Kimmel and win Ben Stein's money. I want him to be trapped in a corner that he just stays in the entire show and the challenges come to him. And it's like, all right, Lee, you're strapped down. You're going to have to give commentary on all these with your catchphrases. Or maybe he could be like the like the Johnny Gilbert. He yeah. could be he could just announce every challenge like as they're coming in. He's like, this week, it's drywall week. What a wang dang doodle. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we could live. We could uh, pitch this idea. I think we can right now. See, see if it'll if it'll stick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Phil, good morning. Yes. Phil giving his like pseudo whisper commentary that he did during the overtime challenge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And now I can see that everybody has made some interesting choices with their clothing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jess is coming in riding the purple. Very Prince. Very nice. And uh, what's Michael doing over there? He's heading to Hawaii, I think. Mm -hmm. He has a luau after this. I'm going to go see Zeus. My glasses. And uh, yes, and Rob. Rob looks like he's ready to play golf. Yeah. It's an Andrews. 
Uh, that just sounds really creepy. I'm sorry. How do you, when do you think of my... Oh, uh, Phil's oh, wearing the yeah, Meryl oh. Dragon Lady t-shirt. Were we not literally just talking about this? Yeah, yeah we, were, has we were talking about a uh, Brandon merch because we saw the drywall Danny branding. Phil, was that, a, was that a Danny original or was that something you guys came up with? No, that's a Danny original. And I don't know if you've noticed, but everybody seems to be getting in on the... Uh, on the merchandise, and we got I got a freight train t shirt uh, a little while ago. I got a tough as a rider t shirt. Um, I, I believe I'm being promised some other shirt from uh, might be from Scott. So, you know, everybody's getting in on it. I am um, I'm pushing CBS to do the um, oh my goodness, how cute was that video that I sent you, Rob, with the little girl doing the tough as nails challenge? Yes, yeah, uh, t shirt, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, that's right up there, Jess, with, with, with your son's video. I mean, seriously, the key, did you see it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I know what you're talking about. I know, yeah, but Rob, just. Rob, Rob, what, no, Rob, Rob, why don't you describe the video to, to those of us that are not privy to it? Yeah, little girl, and she's yeah. wearing the Sa- Savage Crew uh, merch. Yeah, well, wait, Rob, come on, sell it a little bit more. Okay, so there's a little girl. <laughs> There's a little girl, okay, uh, and and she's she's got the Savage Crew T-shirt on. It's orange, and her mom is going, "Are you ready to get to work?" And the little girl goes, "Yes!" And then she gets this bucket and she she dips in to get some Easter eggs out of a um, out of a container, and then she jumps onto a slide, and then she rides down the slide, and she gets to the other side. She's huffing and she's puffing, and then she brings those those Easter eggs in the bucket and she puts them on a big black slide and then has to go at the front and pull the slide forward. And she's just about to make it. Then she reaches over and she grabs the eggs and she has to dump them off and then cross the finish line. And, and her mom goes, yeah, you know, congratulations, Rob. That's how you sell it. Yeah. Come on. Phil, I'm sorry. I was just, I just saw the picture. I couldn't get the video to play. Oh, you didn't get the video. I didn't get the video. I, I got oh, a no link wonder to the you picture. Were so I, I just saw the picture. That. I thought it was like a screenshot. No, I tried no, to get it. Like, maybe I actually need to do it on my phone. I'm sorry, I couldn't yeah. get it to oh, work, it's, Phil. It's the gorge, it's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. But I, I've seen, you know, like a lot of young kids are are copying Knuckles. They want to be like Knuckles, or they want to be like our contestants. And I and it's just so heartwarming to see like little kids getting out there and getting dirty out in the rain and shoveling and wheelbarrowing, and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great. Phil, we loved uh, seeing Drywall Danny and Roofer Lee uh, back oh. last night. I was wondering, would you consider having uh, Roofer Lee as like a permanent hype person to be able to, uh, in a future season, to be able to throw it uh, to Lee? What do you think of this is going on? You know, you're not the first person to suggest it. Uh, a bunch of people were like, man, you two should do a show together. Because uh, you just throw up a softball to Lee and he hits it out of the park. And um, yeah, I, I, when I was talking to the team, I said, I want to put Lee in a place where he can relax. We had to figure out a way that we could shoot this COVID style. Yeah. So what are we going to do? So we, you know, I, I wanted him to come and interact with everybody. Well, we can't do that. So I was like, all right, put him on a roof, give him some popcorn, let him relax. I mean, if anybody deserves to relax, it's roof or Lee. Let him sit down there and let's give him some popcorn and a soda pop, as he calls it, and let the man take a load off and come on, let him enjoy the the work for a change instead of having to go to work. The yeah. man's worked hard enough in his life. So it all just worked out. And and uh, of course, you know, he gets me every time with his wang dang doodle line. And uh, <laughs> and for those people who don't know, the wang dang doodle was a song that was from the 1960s made famous in the 1960s, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. 
And uh, he just, Lee just brings it. Lee yeah. is, you know, he's just, uh, you just can't, you're around Lee, you feel pumped, you feel good, you feel, life is good when you're around Lee. Yeah. It's just, you can't, you can't be in a bad mood around Lee. It just feels like you feel good. Yeah. He was eliminated from the individual competition early on, but it was sort of like a blessing in that then he was like on the sidelines with you for mm-hmm. so many of the individual competitions in season one. Yeah. And listen, how heartbreaking if in another format, somebody like Rufa Lee was eliminated yeah. super yeah. early. Right? right. I mean, and to me, that's the strength of, of the format again and being able to keep great characters around. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, one, one of my favorite lines from season three was sorry, season one, I'm jumping ahead to three. I'm already thinking about wow. three uh, <clears throat> was, um, was when he said, you know, if, if Michelle and a bear are in a fight, you help the bear out, you don't help <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> you know, he just comes up with some wang dang doodles and, and uh, I just, yeah, I just love having him around and, Somebody has already suggested an all-stars, you know, like a, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but, you know, if Tough as Nails continues and we, if we get to a season 10 or something, it would be great to bring the best of Savage Crew and Dirty Hands. Mm-hmm. Let the fans vote for who they want to come back. And it's like an all-star, um, you know, an all-star showdown between the best of the best from Savage Crew and Dirty Hands, which is, again, part of the long-term plan of creating this uh uh, legacy mm. for the two teams, and then you know we we let them here, but we just just disappeared too. Yeah, you know uh, we started a little later today. Uh, just had a heart out, so uh, we'll uh, oh, catch up. I mean, say goodbye. As, as hard as a piece of sheetrock, she'll be back next week, though. Yeah. Uh, oh. but, but Phil, talking even uh, just like in a larger spectrum with Lee and Danny as well. At what point of the planning process did you decide? A not only do we want to highlight these trades. You know, what, which sort of came first, the idea to highlight drywall and roofing and then bring these guys in or, hey, we want to bring these guys back. Let's try to create circumstances where we would be able to. I wanted to do a lot more bringing alumni back. And it's something that we're talking about for season three. I I love the idea that we continue the alliance or sorry, not the alliance, the association with past contestants for one reason or another, that they get a chance to now open up their world for us. So I would have wanted to do a lot more. Um, the drywalling seemed to make a lot of sense. Um, uh, and, and so did the roofing. And to be honest, we, or everybody who's on the show has been pitching ideas from their world. And mm-hmm. like I said, I'd like to see a lot more. So it really, it really came from um, us being um, us understanding their world, learning more about their world and going, well, you know what? It would be kind of interesting to do what Danny does. Right. Or roof, you know, Linda from season one was so inspired by what roof Lee was doing. She went back and left her job mm-hmm. in the jail to start doing some roofing for a while. She was inspired to do that. Zeus this season, apparently uh, ended up helping a friend do some roofing on the weekends Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. So, so it all comes back to roofing, apparently. Apparently, mm-hmm. you start at the top and uh, yeah, <laughs> you don't even have to build your way up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just we well, yeah, work from the bottom. Uh, that's how, how you go. So so what did I miss? Am I, uh, is is, is the, the Tough as Nails team, are they going to be happy with all of your breakdown? Was it a good breakdown? Do you feel uh, good with no, your I mean, work, the, about your work? 
I mean, I, I think that it was a really interesting episode. Of course, we we loved the return of the alumni. Admittedly, and I think even you can admit to this, that uh, I, I you probably, from a storyteller perspective, would have wanted that final team challenge to be closer. Uh, it probably was a, a blowout. Can you talk it was a, bit, a blowout. I mean, can you talk about, specifically, it seemed like, at least from what we were told, that like Angel was really giving out. What was he like on that day compared to all the other challenges where he's in that feed me mode? I think... Um... I think Angel literally ran out of steam. I think he just had he'd just been going so hard for so long, and so much of so so much of uh, of being a good drywaller is about good technique. That's why Danny, um, at his size and weight, power to weight ratio is amazing. But huge skill factor there, where a guy can work by himself and put up a hundred pound sheet above his head, no problem at all and there we have the entire dirty hands team four of them trying to put up one sheet and they're struggling so it does it does go to show you what life skills good life skills mm-hmm. can do to get a job done um i think angel just i think he just had nothing left i think he just completely turned himself inside out i, I don't think there would be an argument from anybody about who put in more who burned up more calories on season 2 in the team competition than Angel. I don't think anybody was close. Um, well, Knuckles probably up there too, but I'm, mm-hmm. I, I do think he was on another level. I mean, he mm-hmm. his work rate was right. If you remember way back in episode two with the loading of the traps, I mean, the guy just kept going and he going made- and going. So I think he just finally, you know, and then that coupled with the fact that they didn't get it together. And uh, and Savage Crew did, and so yeah, you always you always want a nice tight finish, but we weren't going to try to cheat it to make it look like it was closer than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Savage Crew had a little bit of a stumble out of the gate when Merrill overcut out of the skylight, and they had mm-hmm. to rectify that situation. Um, but then they got it together. Um, but uh, I, I, we also could have been in a situation where we didn't end up with a tiebreaker two seasons in a row. So you can't have it all. And I I told you once some guy thought that we scripted everything (laughs) to that person, I would say, uh, dude, if we were scripting everything, I would have made that team challenge at the end a lot closer. Listen, guys, I'd like to make it super close. That's my scripting note for the day. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. please, Savage Crew, please stop for five minutes. So Dirty Hands. Yeah. If you could just hold up for a second, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Dirty Hands, catch up, will you? We were also talking about how uh, in season one, the tiebreak challenge was sort of like the lumberjack Olympics, as opposed to in this season, the tiebreaker was more of a like traditional team challenge. Um, was there any thought to going back to some sort of like a like a showdown style tiebreaker like we had, uh, which was like a, you know, a really epic episode from season one? Yeah, um, I think just just wanted to try something different. Um, I think it would be fun to go back to that uh, one-on-one and then picking one team member and all of that. Um, but, you know, we're still in the early days of the franchise and trying to figure out what works. And yeah, I, I really love that. We also got some criticism from some people that that wasn't really a team event because you mm-hmm. brought it down to the skills of individuals. And then was it really fair that, um, people were picking out one person and they could pick out a weak person, like put a 
um, a Miles up against a Michelle in a wood chop, chopping yeah. challenge. Is that really fair? So, you, you know, look, as you know, everybody's a critic. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody thinks they know better than somebody else. And I'll be the first to admit, we don't know everything. We're still trying things. Um, I did love it. I, 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 it's, I don't know. You know, I said it at the time. It was one of the most incredible moments that I've been involved with in reality competition television. That moment when Lee called out Murph and mm-hmm. after losing to him. I don't know. I mean, that's like magic stuff. And, um, you know, something that we obviously scripted, according to this guy. But um, uh, no, it was just one of those magical moments you hope for and then it plays out. But then you can also try to repeat something like that and you just don't come close mm-hmm. to doing it again. We may never get that again. We may never get that Lee moment again. And so then you got to go for something else. And uh, we had a lot of great, we had a lot of great moments. Um, a lot of dr- drama this season. Mm-hmm. You know, poignant moment for me uh, was was Swifty ready to just like take five when Tara w- was injured. Sure, that to me like was oh my god. I mean, it just got me because I just thought that's really epitomizes what the show is all about. I think it's what makes our show different. Uh, you know, I I love reading all the comments, and I think what people are gravitating towards is that this is a competition show with a difference and it's fiercely competitive, but it's also like, did you see Swifty walk over to Angel and help him up off the yeah. ground? Mm-hmm. That was, that like was those really little great. moments, those, those are not things that we say, hey, Swifty, it'd be a nice, I, nice moment if you went and helped it. No, it, 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 Swifty walked over there as a competitor, having just won, and he reached down and he picked up Angel. You know, it's like, that to me is more of what we want to accentuate on the show. And I think the reason that people like the show, cause it's just different. It's just a different mm-hmm. way of, of competing. It's not people yelling and screaming at each other in a negative way. There's a, uh, yeah, there's true rivalry, but there's this compassion and this, there's a heart to the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's about, you know, we've set this thing up called tough as nails, but at the end of the day, you got to get the right people in there. Who are those people who are knuckles who can open up about her own insecurities or Scott who was bullied or Swifty speaking from the heart, talking about where he grew up. That's Mm. you hear that. And you just think this is real. Like that's something that makes you think about where some people are living, the things that they're going through in life, the challenges that they face and uh, that it isn't, you know, life is tough. But when you when you're surrounded by supportive people, it maybe can be a little bit easier. So, mm-hmm. so can you talk I went about- on a rant then, didn't I? I can't even no. remember what you asked me. It was a wang dang doodle, Phil. We were, we were on was the train with doodle. you. We were on the yeah. freight train together. Uh, the in the overtime challenge. Yeah. You know, it yes. really did seem like it really was highlighting the trades. Uh, right when you're talking about uh, plumber appreciation day, yeah. here we are. Was this well last like- year? Last year, remember, Mike? It was chainsaw appreciation day. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. just it's listen. Every day is a, is a different day uh, yes. when it comes to you know National Blank Day. But <laughs> when you come up with the the pipe challenge, was this like a challenge you had just sort of like on the back burner that you want to fit in somewhere, and it just so happened to be here where it's not like themes for the week. Um. That that came from that particular one came from our challenge department. You know, they they pitched that. I that that wasn't one of my ideas. 
Um, and um, I always wanted to do something with plumbing because I really do think plumbers are underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, like so many people in the trades, you know, like these people that come to your house and get rid of a clogged toilet or, um, you know, in a flood situation, come in and literally save your home <laughs> at times, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, to be good at those jobs, uh, you don't, it's sort of like a magic trick, right? When the, when, mm-hmm. when people are really good at what they do, it is almost like magic. And yeah, it, so much about the show is appreciating things that maybe we take for granted. Oh, he's, a, or she's a plumber. And like, Again, it's this thing like, yeah, these people are super valuable to our society. Mm-hmm. Uh, turn the tap on. There's a reason it goes on and it works because of plumbers mm-hmm. and, and other people that make all these systems work. And so it's this is a little bit like a game of operation or, uh, you know, uh, doing a, a, a you know, uh, opening up a body and seeing how it all works inside, you know, stuff that we don't necessarily get to see. So we were trying to pull back the curtain a little bit on, wow, it is complicated, right? Like all of that stuff has to feed together from the sink that goes to the thing and the three inch pipe and the one and a half inch pipe. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's all got to work. And so that's really what it was about. And then the, the idea of like trying to connect all these pieces and get them all to work. And yeah. And it was a very dramatic moment where uh, Rida ends up putting uh, the wrong piece in. And it was really well done how you did it, where it was like, uh, you know, we're, you're telling us, we have the diagram, we can see right. where she's made it. And her superpower all season has been attention to detail. Arida, yeah. she doesn't yeah. make mistakes. She, and it's like, okay, well, so this is Arida. She's going to figure this out. And she's been on this run where this is her third straight overtime. And you're sort of hoping yeah. that she can pull it out and get back uh, into the individual competition. Uh, but she just never caught it. And even now, like at the time that she did get to it, it was just like, I, I don't understand. This is uh like, how could this not be? I have, I have it right. Like it was like, she was never able to fix the mistake. Yeah. Um, how did you find, cause you know, some of these challenges are hard to, you realize the audience is watching something once mm-hmm. and there's no room to like for interpretation. You need to kind of make it very clear out of the gate. Like we have this in the la- in the finale, we've been working really hard on the graphics for, one of the challenges in the finale, which I think you guys are going to love. It's I'm really proud of what the team's put together, but the graphics are so important. And we tried to step those up this season um, just to make sure that we really carry the audience along Mm -hmm. with, with being able to track what is going on, what is happening. Did you find you were able to understand what it was they were doing and what the, where they got hung up and understanding yep. where, where the, the mistake was with the rider. Was yeah. it easy to follow? Well, yeah, I mean, the, it, was, it was all color coding, right? I think yep. the red and yellow was super easy. I mean, maybe green and yellow, uh, green and red might've been like the, what we think of most when we think of correct and incorrect, but even just the yellow and red really made sense to me as what was put into Good. place. What wasn't it was it was almost like having in the quarter was also almost like uh, when you get interrupted by a weather advisory when you're watching TV, right? Of like, hey, you're watching this other thing, but pay attention in the corner and pay attention to the color on the Doppler radar because that'll tell you. Okay. What you're yeah. It was it was a nice indicator of hey, here's a reminder. Arita got this wrong, uh, and you know this is what Swifty got wrong. So okay, we'll, good. 
or what? Yeah, what Swifty got wrong. But I also thought that the because you were not within earshot. And you were mm. able to also be sort of like, you know, uh, like, you know, the golf commentator. Uh, Jim Nance. So I, I yeah. was doing my Jim Nance. Yeah. J- yeah. To keep it, uh, oh, you know, no, on the paramount right 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 mountain uh, family. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. The um, one that I got voted off, you mean? When yes. I, when, yes. The one that when when James Corden stole my skidoo and became the world traveler. <laughs> yeah. That one. Yeah, yeah that, that, one. that one. That one. Yeah. But yeah so one day like, when you guys interview James Corden, you can you can say, Phil said you stole his uh, his skidoo. And then when you speak to Jeff, you can say, uh, Jeff, why'd you vote Phil off the Paramountain? Mm-hmm. Why Why is everybody uh, pushing us off the mountain, guys? Well, I, don't, I don't know. Huh? Uh, if you, if people know how uh, Jeff Probst did uh, on a Paramountain podcast that Rob and I did, they'll know that he might have had a good reason to do so, considering how he ends up doing. I mean, it certainly is a question that I think will carry with us much like a skidoo through the, the wilderness of Paramountain. <laughs> I love it. I, I don't even know where Paramountain is because if, if I knew where it was, I'd just go up there to like take some Instagram photographs Selfies. or something and say, hey, I made it up to the Paramountain, but I don't even know where to find it. If you guys figure it out, let me know. Mm-hmm. Is it the Eiger? Is that what the Paramountain is? Is, is it the Eiger? Is it, it looks a little bit like the Eiger, right? Yeah, I think, uh, is that Disney Mountain? Oh, it's Disney Mountain. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. It's it's one of those rare things that Disney has not encountered yet. So yeah. I think it's untouched mm. by Disney at this moment. There's yeah, no okay. uh, expedition Everest going but, on at Paramount. Yeah, but but I, I thought that your you know uh, golf commentary like uh, also really helped with like letting us know at home that because uh, I feel like that you really don't have that very much on uh, the on mm-hmm. a reality show where the host is telling us like oh there's a problem with the puzzle. Uh, and the people cannot hear it. Like, uh, you know, it's usually that we're getting like, uh, like, uh, you know, oh, Ryda is getting frustrated. She must have a problem. Whereas, uh, it's rare that we've like, oh, do you see what she did there? Did you see? Uh, she, oh. has, she doesn't realize it yet. She, she has have you, a major have you guys, um, have you guys ever seen, um, have you ever seen snooker the way they do snooker in England? Do you know what snooker is? Do you know what snooker is? I believe, is it like, it's like a billiard sport, is it? Billiards, not? yeah. So Eddie Charlton was the world champion in the 70s or something like that. And my grandparents used to love to watch Eddie Charlton play uh, billiards. I think mm. it was, it was like the world championships and Eddie Charlton, he was cool, cool as a cucumber. And he would, you know, and anyway, the commentators would, and Eddie Charlton now lining up with the red to go to the top right hand pocket be setting himself back to come for the bottom right hand and if he gets that blue in there and then you know it was all of this very intimate stuff where there was this voice of god happening you know while the game was going on and you literally would lean into the tv you know to see and then oh he shanked it and it's gone off to the side oh and he <laughs> does not look good and then he'd stamp his cue down on the ground and say, oh eddie charlton we don't see him we don't often see him losing you know, losing uh, himself in the middle of a game, but he really is frustrated with that shot and that's left an opening. And so it was kind of that. Yeah. Except so, these were pipes. And of course, billiards, pipes, same kind of thing. Same, same general shape. Where the something ball that, comes out, yeah. Well, something that yeah. I noticed was, uh, hopefully it's not, you know, as solid as a ball. Hopefully it's a bit more loose. Uh, <laughs> something I noticed was Angel, and maybe Angel was coming off of like a very uh, physically taxing day the previous day, but he is like a bulldog. He is pacing up and yeah. down. When he finds out what Irida, the mistake that she made in general, 
did you have like were the contestants uh did they have trouble keeping quiet some of their reactions because i can imagine yes. even in a challenge yeah. separate of this in other overtime challenges when they can't offer any sort of instruction uh it's yes. it's got to be tough on them to not just speak up especially when it's people that they really love out there yeah we have to remind them before just a reminder everybody there's a lot on the line and you cannot yell out uh directions you can yell out encouragement all you want but you can't say you know, Rider, that's the wrong pipe. You've got to switch out that connection. Yeah. You, you know, none of that. Angel um, looked like he was going to blow it. Uh, yes, he he was beside himself. I think it was interesting. You know, you pointed out that that uh, Angel finally got to the breaking point mm-hmm. in episode nine in the team competition, and Rida finally messed up with details. Mm-hmm. It's like both of them had that. So I think he was probably feeling that frustration because like you said, Rob, she's known for her attention to detail. And here she is making this blatant mistake. And that's the sort of thing you would expect that she would maybe lay out the pipes, realize that there's three sizes of the pipes, look at the different size connections and go, okay, everything comes down to that three inch pipe. I've got a one and a half inch pipe coming down and a two inch pipe coming down. And I got a you know, make sure that those two uh, connections go here and here. And no, it didn't happen. So, yeah. Um, Rida. A poor Rida. What, what a run, though, for Rida. Seriously, three OTs in a row. And I mean, she said maybe third time will be the charm. I guess it was mm-hmm. just unfortunately in the other direction. But yeah. what if what a fight for her? She was really scrape, scrapping her way through the bottom the past three weeks. Yeah. Well, I, amazing. Yeah. Amazing achievement. And great to see. Sarah just shine, just, you know, two, two wins in a row. Yeah. yeah. Nobody is coming on stronger than Sarah down uh, in the home stretch now. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, remember last week was all about her managing her type one diabetes, which again, again, only accentuates just um, how resilient she is. I just saw a posting from her the other day. It was like three o'clock in the morning and her blood sugar had dropped and she'd woken us you know, woken herself up with the alarm wow. to treat her type one. I mean, as, as Lee would say, she's one tough cookie and uh, he might have a, a job for her after the way mm-hmm. she, she did those roots. I kind of love that. Right. Oh, come and see yeah. you get a job. <laughs> yeah. How long? So I know uh, Lee made that, that offer, right? He dangled that cookie in front of their faces. Like, Hey, if you can get this done in 15 minutes or less, it. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll offer you a job. How long did it take them to do it overall? The, the individual challenge. You know, I, I don't know what the clock was on that. Um, I mean, not 15 minutes. That's for sure. Right. I can uh, imagine that the drywalling also took more than an hour uh, as opposed to Danny yes. doing it on his own in less than an well, hour. Well, dirty hands never finished the roof. I mean, they, 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 they and, and look how quickly Danny put up those two massive sheets, one on a ceiling and one on the wall. And look how quickly he cut out the window and did the cutouts for the, for the lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just, again, it, when you see people do that, it looks like almost like a magic trick. People do it so easily, but mm-hmm. then you realize that it's not easy <laughs> what they do. People do every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
you know, really uh, incredible how they were able to uh, get get that all uh, going. Uh, it, it seemed like that Swifty really struggled with his plan uh, to bring the stuff up there, and I thought that R- Lee was really good uh, in ta- like telling us at home like why that's a bad idea because on paper it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, bring everything up there, and you don't have to go up and down the ladder a million times. But uh, Lee knew instantly, like, oh, that's a bad idea. Yeah, and I, I, I mean. It, my favorite, one of my favorite moments on the show was when I, I went, well, it looks like Swifty's still doing inventory. He's brought everything up onto the roof. And, and then, and, uh, I said, so, you know, uh, I, I said, you know, remember what Lee said, you work from the bottom to the top. And then, and then there's that cutaway of Lee and he goes, right. Like he's looking over there going, what is this guy doing? He's like, he literally brought enough up onto the roof to do all the roofs, not just that one. Yeah everything up there mm-hmm. and then lee going yeah sometimes you shoot yourself in the foot if you end up bringing everything oh up. don't say that around swifty he has a tough thing with feet mm-hmm. right yeah and, and he could that's the last thing he needs is a nail in the foot from an from a nail gun mm-hmm. yeah uh, so guys um i uh i uh I, I i think you'll be excited when you see the finale next week yeah, it looks like um, uh, we're getting another. I know that we have one more like girder challenge. Then it. it looks like you're at least doing a similar final challenge gauntlet style than you did last season, which Rob called one of the like toughest challenges he's ever seen on reality TV. So I'm excited for its sequel. Yeah, and um, it's yeah, it's a it's a showdown and a half, and uh, we got uh, we get you know we're down to our our final four. It's like uh, as Swifty says, it's like uh, March Madness. And and in the at the end of the day, there'll only be one winner, one mm-hmm. tough as nails belt winner. Woo. And um, uh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, you, you, there's nothing more satisfying than getting getting to the end of a season and knowing that you got something really good in the can. And uh, uh, we're casting season three right now, and I'm hoping that there'll be an announcement about that at some point. Okay. Um, and if anybody listening knows anybody who is tough as nails, um, then they should go to cbs.com slash casting and apply now. Um, but if you know of somebody or if it, maybe it's one of your listeners, uh, somebody you, th- you would like to encourage to do it, then, uh, yeah, please apply because, uh, we're always looking for interesting people. We've, we've got a great lineup so far. Um, and we're working on the, on the challenges, but at the end of the day, the show is, is, is really about our cast, a great cast. And so that's why we put so much effort into finding the right people and, um, and giving them a chance to shine on top of those nails. All right. Well, Phil, thank you again for joining us. We can't wait Mm -hmm. to see uh, who's going to walk away with the belt. Yeah. Yes. Who is it going to be? Do you send this out like uh do you send the video version of this out as yes. well? Or? Yes. yes, we do. Oh, well let me grab the All right, Phil's getting up from his post to show us the toughest so, nails title belt, usually just in the background. Now, do you have oh. one and does Murph have one? Or did you get yes, this from so, Murph? Yes, yeah, so we um we have one that stays in the office. Uh-huh. And um stays in the office here and then what I'm going to do is have season one and season two winners engraved on these plaques on the side oh, here, here. And I've wow. left plenty of room for uh, 
hopefully many seasons. Uh, that's mm-hmm. another reason why they got to renew it. You got to fill up those plaques. I got to fill up these plaques. And then what we do is we make a, a special one for each of the winners that they get. So uh, at this moment, there are three of these in the world. The winner of season two, wow. obviously Murph has one. And then there's this one that is in the, in the office. Yeah. And that's, that's the idea is that we, this is, you know, and I got a lot of resistance from people on, on the team. They were like, I can't believe you're doing a belt for this show. I'm like, yes, we're doing a belt for this show. All right. That's right. Wait. So Phil, what, can you hold up the belt again? Cause it says something below tough as nails. It says what real people, real life, real tough, real tough, real tough. Okay, so that's like the outwit, outplay, outlast of Tough as Nails. I don't think I knew that up to this point. So that that was my um, my wife and and producing partners' uh, contribution to the to well to the write up when we were doing the Tough as Nails write up, and mm. and uh, she came up with that line, and it sort of stuck because it really is, it does really encapsulate uh, what what the types of people and kind of what the show is all about. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, we'll see. Real people, real life, real tough. Going to wear that belt one week from today. We'll know. And you see all of these here, all of that that design yeah, right yes. there. Those are uh, this intricate detail that I'm pointing out on the belt. Is these are all nails? Like it's actually a shot of looking down into a bucket of nails, and those that's wow. what all of those wow. are. Could that should and, that be a challenge next season? Phil is making the tough as nails belt. That could be an overtime thing because then that's sort of like, all right, we did. We don't need to do the work. We can have a contestant do it for us. Mm-hmm. That's actually a good idea. Maybe actually would save us. You know, our budget is very tight. Budget exactly. these days in reality TV. <laughs> so um, I, you know, we could get a, we could get, uh, we basically get them to do work that's costing us money in the budget. That's a great idea. Uh, Phil, that lady is going to send you another comment about that. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, true. And, and this laborers. time, that very particular person who it, it will be me, it will be me. And then somebody said, uh, somebody said, Oh, uh, uh, look at Phil getting people to build a shed for him so he can take it home. What? Yeah. How are you taking that, that, that home person, with you? Yeah. That person was actually joking. Unlike okay. the other person who thought that we got the wall painted for the particular man who was very particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the room that they made the sheetrock, they built your office, right? Is that uh, this room yeah, that you're exactly. in now? Yeah, wanted exactly. Wanted an internal office, and so mm-hmm. we had them. Yeah, need some drywalling done. Yeah, yeah, and then you also you you wanted a second story toilet, sink, and uh, and you know a bathtub linked up, all separate from each other. So you had to have yeah. that too. It's really just getting all your busy work done. Absolutely, and I like you know the pipes exposed because that way, if any repairs have to take place, I can Easy. easily just get to the pipes. I don't have to. And it's really no problem climbing up there to go to the toilet or have a shower or wash your hands. I mean. Just strap yourself in and mm-hmm. like roofer Lee and hold yourself up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you've got to find your inner Murph. Every time you go to the toilet, you've got to find, <laughs> you find your inner Murph to get off the platform. Uh, yeah, Rob, how would a Murph react to having to go to the bathroom at a toilet that's uh, too high up? I, no, I, I think he, I think it would, uh, he'd be so nervous. He wouldn't be able to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God forbid. God forbid. Uh, All right. Listen, Phil, guys, you're, thank um, you. Thank I must you. let you go. I was only going to call in to have coffee and I ended up talking way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yes, uh, I know this is getting expensive with you guys picking up the check every week, but yeah, thank you. I appreciate Worth it. it. Worth every penny. <laughs> All right. We have a lunch pail full of cash, so don't worry about it. Phil. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much, guys, Phil. Okay. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
All right. Mike, there you go. All right. We are right there. You have a winner pick? Yeah. So let's talk about this. We have a final four right now. Uh, as Phil said, I don't know who the Gonzaga is. That's my only March Madness reference that I know. Uh, we have Sarah. We have Scott. We have Zeus. And we have Swifty. I guess I can go from like the ground up here, much like those second level toilets. Uh, the the one person I think definitely will not win is Zeus. I think. Why? I feel like Zeus has the Linda edit of like, maybe it's just her, his personality, but I feel like the other three have gotten so much personal content that Zeus really hasn't had. Like we found out what, that like his dad taught him this stuff. He likes video games. He has a kid. But I feel like the other three got much more in-depth content about mm-hmm. who they are, where they come from, and how it informs them as people. That I don't know if I can see Zeus as a tough as nail winner compared to the other three. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, I also I don't don't think it's going to be Swifty. I feel like just looking at and look, Swifty is certainly tough. He survived two overtimes, the first one and the last one. I think and the horrible if- story about his childhood also. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's an incredibly inspiring story. We heard about his his small town life from the very beginning, but I don't think we realized what that town was built up from, quite I mean, literally. It's a, yeah, horror story. Yeah, so I think that, like, I love seeing him here, and I think he's the oldest contestant left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is by, by a few years, but I think if you look at that final competition, which, as we said, is just, like, so intense where you just can't stop what we know about Swifty, right is that he takes off like a jet that Merrill's flying in the very beginning but then he tends to slow down as the hours go on and mm-hmm. I, I feel like that could be a similar trajectory for Swifty here where I don't know if he's a contender to win that final challenge yeah, it's a metaphor well. for his game yeah I, I think it's between uh, Sarah and Scott I, I agree and it really is sort of like uh, two different battles here where Scott is someone who was really coming on strong from the beginning though he sort of is, again, the drywall Danny in that I don't think he's ever gone below second place, really, in any challenge. He never even had those Murph moments where, like, he was a contender but had moments of struggle. Mm-hmm. If any of that maybe came in the team challenges with communication. But team challenge is over. Scott's on his own. And when Scott's on his own, Scott does yeah. incredibly well. And that last challenge, as you mentioned, was so... Uh, so grueling, so punishing in like yeah. that drywall Danny who I've referred to on this podcast as the strongest man alive, Ant-Man himself. Drywall Danny was put to the brink. Like yeah. Drywall Danny couldn't move by miles. Huge yeah. guy, super strong, was just like stuck in the chains, just like uh, had no energy left. Murph, sweat pouring down his body, uh, managed to find the like uh, inner fortitude to yeah. somehow... Barely. get it done uh i just think if it if the final challenge is that physical i just think that i mean uh scott's what a foot and a half taller than sarah right yeah so uh that that certainly could help as well if there were aspects like uh use the ladder to climb over this scott definitely has an advantage there sarah though i mean sarah has had such great momentum here mm-hmm. right she's won the past two challenges there's never really been a time that she has truly been in danger and we really get all these things throughout right just of how solid a player sarah is she seems to be at least a little good at everything mm-hmm. which is really going to come to play in that final challenge when you have to do so much uh and this though is going to come from i guess my my ignorance 
uh, towards her, her type one. I mean, as you said, it is grueling work and she has pushed through her blood sugar level, you know, diminishing beforehand. But I do worry it could reach critical mass in this type of challenge. Yeah, I I don't know enough about it to say uh, one way or the other. But just like the way that the final challenge, there was so much power involved break through a wall like it wasn't necessarily as skill based in terms of like uh use it it was a lot of like just like take a sledgehammer and and you know break down a wall and then use a saw and cut through the wood like i I think that sarah is incredibly capable in terms of like uh but we saw this this challenge was you know performing a task of you know line it up use the tool and and do all that but if it comes down to basically like an obstacle course i don't know if that's her forte yeah and so but i hope though i mean jess really brings up this great point each and every week including this one that the tasks in general have been less power through with your muscles and more so use you know different parts Mm -hmm. of your brain and body for skill sets Hopefully the final challenge incorporates that as well. Cause like you said, last time was very power based. There was operating some tools like, Hey, unwrap these chains or, you know, use a, uh, use some, some wire cutters. But for the most mm-hmm. part, it really was like barrel through things, climb over things, et cetera. And the chains were heavy too. Yeah. And so I do hope that this time, at least for like an equalizer sake, that they do include some maybe more like dexterous, things that you could do mm-hmm. some more stopping points that incorporate some of those more detail oriented skill sets that might favor someone like a Sarah over, you know, Zeus, uh, Scott and Swifty, who I do think have more power behind them. Okay. All right, Mike, anything else from tough as nails week nine? I would say that the, the overtime challenge is one that I would actually love to do. Uh, I, I love puzzles personally. And so I feel like the nerd in me is like, oh, yeah, you give me all these pieces and mm-hmm. I get to like screw them together to figure out how they link up. That's very fun. It reminded me of um, like when uh, I think it was Michelle and uh, Luis did the. Uh, yes, the no, that's very ending. similar. I wonder if it was a similar location. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it was in some sort of like warehouse, right? And I'm assuming that was the same place where they did the drywalling too. So maybe they just rented out the warehouse and put a couple of sheds on the outside. And that was their location for episode nine. Yeah. Uh, who do you think would win in uh, doing the plumbing challenge overtime? You or Puya? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, Puya does have poo in his name. So maybe <laughs> no. that just means he's the shoe in. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, I think let's wrap it up. All right, Mike, uh, what's coming up for you? Uh, well, first, I'll, I'll plug what uh, what Jess has going on in abstention, because I do believe the Walking Dead, I think, wrapped up its se- season 10 or at least like took a break in season 10. Uh, so Jess and Chappelle have it all covered. I know a lot of people say they don't watch the show but they love listening to Jess and Chappelle cover it Mm -hmm. over on Posha Recaps. And I also believe they're going to be getting very soon into Fear the Walking Dead. I want to say, I think it's like the second part of season six. Uh, I might be talking out of my my own butt here. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Yeah, this coming weekend is going to be the second part of season six that apparently is very good. So if you're into some zombie stuff, check out what Jess and Chappelle are doing. Uh, For my end on Posha Recaps, of course, Lost Down the Hatch, The Bloom Files, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a lot of stuff to talk about with Falcon and the Winter Soldier in particular as we're getting into the back half of the season. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it at the top, Rob, you, me, and Taryn Armstrong spent nearly four hours yesterday talking about Survivor Guatemala, a season that is tough as nails, 
one that I love dearly, much like we love Roofer Lee. Uh, and we got to really talk about, you know, all of its fun, odd quirks to it, which was a, a really great time. And then outside of that, I'm finishing up coverage of Survivor South Africa Season 5 with some, some contestant deep dives, as well as preparing for preseason coverage of that. And then from a writing perspective, I announced this yesterday on our podcast, but not only am I doing uh, exit press for Top Chef this season, but I'm going to be doing exit press for Season 2 of The Circle. Uh, by the time we're going to talk next, I believe the first four episodes of Season 2 are going to be out on Netflix, and I should have some accompanying exit press to go with it of the contestant or contestants that have been blocked from the circle. So I'm very excited. You know, as one show leaves here in Tough as Nails, many more replaces. It is the circle of reality TV. <laughs> exactly. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to welcome that. And I'm sad to bid adieu to Tough as Nails and our correspondences uh, with Phil. But it's been a lot of fun. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. Yeah. All right. Well, of course, uh, check out the podcast. Uh, me, Mike, and Taryn. That was so much fun yesterday. A uh, great panel to do that with. We'll be continuing to talk about Survivor uh, Guatemala on our patron feedback show uh, this weekend. Uh, for our patrons, uh, you can hear that on Sunday. Or if you want to hear even more Survivor Guatemala talk, check out com slash patron uh we also did our uh 200th episode of the patron five for five for the patrons uh which uh if you are a patron you can watch the video of that as well uh, of course uh so much else going on everything with uh big brother it's gonna be a busy night with the mm -hmm. double eviction on big brother canada taryn is gonna have coverage of all of that and i will be covering on the rhap rewind uh mike's podcast co-host shannon gus and Haley strong will join Chappelle and i to uh watch i believe season three episode six of america's next top model Ooh, okay. I have a fun story about that because I do believe, I think this is the right season. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was in the hospital for a week because I had E. coli. And the only thing I remember watching that was on was a marathon of America's Next Top Model season three. Oh. So it's the only season I've seen. Okay, so send us your feedback my, questions, Mike. Yeah, it's, it's very close to my heart and my gut, but I'm so excited uh, to hear from Shannon in particular. I know that Shannon... Shannon, you know, obviously is known for her, her, uh, you know, in, uh, her involvement with Survivor. But once upon a time, she had her own dalliance she with reality TV. Yeah. yeah, with the top model franchise. So I'm sure she has a lot of stuff to say. All right. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Take care of a good one. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.